Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. So this is week two of this series, Smarter Than Solomon. And I thought for those of you that uh, were not able to be here last week, I might just catch you up so that you know a little bit about this. So I'm talking about being smarter than Solomon, but as you guys would know, that you might know it's actually a really difficult thing because the Bible says something very interesting about Solomon. It says that he was the smartest man that ever has lived at the time when they wrote it, but they said something else, that he's the smartest person that ever will live. And so we got to be smarter than Solomon because Solomon is proof that smart people do dumb things. Do you ever notice that? It's like you have all the information, but you still can make a really bad choice with that. So look, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a background uh, about to this guy called Solomon. So Solomon, uh, he was David's son, David that killed Goliath. He was David's son. And he became a king when he was 20 years old. And, uh, and, and hands up if you know a 20-year-old. Just hands up if you know a 20-year-old, right? Who knows Ari Chesterman? Put your hand up right now. Right, just, so you do know a 20-year-old. Hands up. Just leave your hands up if you feel comfortable with Ari running the country. <laughs> I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. And they are paid plants by Ari. So in any case, uh, you know, you, you think about that. 20 years old seems kind of young to be running a country, doesn't it? And this guy, Solomon, man, he had such a good start. He started really well. In fact, uh, one time he, he was at the place called Gibeon, and God came to him in a dream, and he said to him, I will give you whatever you ask for, so what do you want? Well, he was smart enough to ask for wisdom, because he said, I really don't know how to do this job. How am I supposed to run a country? And so God says, oh, you are very clever. I tell you what, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'll give you the ability to s- discern the difference between good and evil. That was a gift that Solomon carried his whole life, didn't always use it, though. And so he had this uh, incredible ability to, to discern between good and evil, and then God says, I'm going to do something else for you. I'm going to give you riches and I'm going to give you honor because you were smart enough to ask for wisdom. So the Bible always says we should ask for wisdom. Whatever you do, get that. It's going to benefit you in life. So then now uh, uh, we're going to fast track this story about 20 years, okay? So Solomon, this is 20 years down the track and he happens to be at Gibeon again, all right? Now this takes place after Solomon has built this most incredible temple. And, and, and there, was, there was like when he dedicated this temple... There were prayers and there were sacrifices and, and, and it was just an incredible experience, you know? And so they do all of this, this big dedication and then God comes to him at Gibeon again and he says, and, and, and he has this other encounter with God. And I'm going to read this scripture to you. This comes out of 1 Kings chapter 9. I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, as soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build... The Lord appeared to Solomon a second time. Right? So this is 20 years later. He appears to him a second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I've consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Verse 4. It says, and as for you, now listen, this is very important. Because right, some of us want blessing in our lives. Well, sometimes blessing, you can, you can position yourself for blessing. Did you know that? No, nobody knew that. Well, I'm so glad I just said that. So, so verse four, he says, and if you, and, oh, sorry, and as for you, if you will walk before me as David, your father walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David, your father saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel, but everyone say, but. 
But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them, and the house that I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among the peoples, and this house will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished, and they'll hiss. I, every now and then I just stop and reread something. Have you ever seen someone so disappointed that they've hissed? No. But you'll notice that hissing always happens. It's always a negative thing, isn't it? Which is further proof that dogs are from heaven. And cat. All right. All right. All right. Listen up. This is very important, guys. Don't get sidetracked now. I know I'm doing it. <laughs> and they will say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? And they will say, because, this is important, because they abandoned the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster upon them. I think... Uh, <clears throat> the test of a marriage, a good way to test your marriage is to let your spouse navigate, you know, in the car. It's a great way to test your marriage. Also, we have a lot of newlywed people here. Don't do this for at least five years into your marriage, okay? But, but, but if you've been around the block, then you might feel comfortable in letting your spouse direct you and, and, and guide you. And I want to tell you a little story about this. So uh, Sarah and I, we were, uh, uh, stayed with my brother in his house in Point Cook, and we were going to meet some friends of ours, Pastors Richard and Helen Kabakian, and so we are going to meet them in the city this day. And I said to Sarah, right, can you just guide us and direct us? And we had the name of the restaurant that we needed to go to, and so I put her in charge of directing us. So we're on the road and we're traveling along, and as we're traveling, uh, I noticed that we don't seem to be getting closer to our destination, okay? And so, you know, every, even when you notice this, sometimes, you know, for the ease of your relationship, you don't want to mention it, you know. And, and so after a while, I said, listen, uh, sweetheart, it doesn't look like we're going in the right direction. And she says to me, no, I put it into, the, you know, Google Maps and, and this, I'm following the map, just, just follow this road and stay on it. We're going to get there. Well, there was a turn off at some point and we had to head to the city. Now, I, I can see the city, so I know where it is. I can see it. And yet there's a road that goes off and Sarah says, you need to take the next left. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, you're so wrong, but okay. And so, and so this road just turns off and, and, and I'm thinking to myself the whole time, maybe it's a shortcut. Maybe this is, we're going to avoid some traffic. Google is smart enough to say there's an accident and we're going to go around it. We're going to get there quicker and, and I'm just going to trust it. And, and, and around about the time when we were near Essendon, I think it was, I was looking at the city way, 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 way over there. And I said to Sarah, I said, I think we're lost, right? And she kind of finally acknowledged that, yes, we are nowhere near the city. We are lost, right? But I said these words, I think we're lost, right? Think about it. Every time you say the words, I think we're lost, did you know you've been lost for a long time? You know, when you say it, you don't say it as soon as you're lost because you're not sure yet. But when you say, I think we're lost, you've already been lost for a while. 
And so, you know what? People can get lost really easily. How do we get lost that day? I don't know. I asked the question, you know, why did my wife do this? Why, how come she took us in the wrong direction? She'll blame Google. Why did Google take us in the, in, in the wrong direction? And, and, and why did that happen? And, and I can tell you something about that. She didn't mean that. She didn't intend for us to take that wrong road and, and take that wrong path and go in a different direction. She didn't intend for that to happen. She just picked the wrong destination. And as soon as you pick the destination, as long as you keep staying on that same path, you're going to end up at the place that you've picked, right? She didn't mean it. It's just something that she did. That path took us somewhere. Every single decision that you make is taking steps towards a destination somewhere. And every day you make small decisions that are bringing you closer to that direction. Now, the reason that people will sometimes get lost, uh, let, let's be honest, the reason people get lost is because they often think they're going the right way. They think that they're going the right way. That's why they went that way. Sometimes people just think that the path that they're taking is an easier way. Let's take a shortcut, right? Shortcuts are often long cuts. You know, you can try to take a shortcut in life, but oftentimes you don't get there any quicker. And sometimes the reason why uh, 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 people uh, pick the wrong path, in all honesty, is because they just want to. They just want to go the wrong direction. Now, if you're here today and you're you're not a Christian, um, I'm so glad that you're here because I want you to know something. I am a person who consistently, intentionally, and purposefully picked the wrong destination for my own life. So I don't want you to feel like you're judged. But this is the thing. Sometimes, you know, we can be smart people, but we can pick bad destinations. I want to tell you a little bit about where this series came from. Because I was reading this. The reason that we're doing this series out of Solomon is because this was just part of my daily reading plan. And I read something, and it was interesting to me. And then I just kind of thought I had one message here, and it kind of developed into more than that. And so I read this one passage of Scripture that I'm about to read to you right now. And when I read this next verse, it made me think back over what I had read, and I re-looked at where Solomon went wrong and how come he didn't see the signs along the way, okay? So this comes out of 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 14. It says this, Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. 666 talents of gold. Now, when I read that, right, having been a Christian for a little while, the moment I saw the number 666, it indicated to me that Solomon was doing something that he shouldn't have done. He was headed on the wrong path. Let me start with, I'll tell you another story about my, my, my papa, right? So, my papa, he was Chinese on the inside, but he was white on the outside. It's very confusing to a lot of people. He grew up in China. He was, he was an orphan in China, spoke fluent Chinese, came over to Australia. Now, when he got here, I didn't even know this when he was alive. I only discovered this later. My papa was very, he was tough, right? You don't think about your papa being tough. Trust me, he was. So what he used to do is go down to the docks and fight bare-fisted fights for extra cash. That's my papa, right? So I didn't, I didn't see this when, when he was alive. So he used to do it. In fact, he was really good at it. And he actually even started like a martial arts school. And I remember hearing this story. Uh, one day he said, God, I don't know if I should continue going down this path. 
And so he added up the money that the school brought in. It was either for one week or one month or however much it was. And the amount that the money came to was $666. So then my papa said, he said, well, God, good enough for me. That's clear enough for me. I'm not, I'm not going to run this, this martial arts school anymore. So, so he canceled it. Now, on the one hand, I've got Solomon, who's the wisest man that ever lived. And on the other hand, I've got my papa, who, God bless him, was probably still not the wisest man that ever lived, right? And somehow my papa, he understood that when he saw that number 666 as related to his, uh, uh, his business, he knew enough at that point to think, I shouldn't pursue this any further. And my question is, how does the smartest man in history and the future miss this? How did he not see that? Are you ready? Because I'll give you the answer to this question. And the answer to this question about how Solomon missed it is something that you've encountered in life. This is something that you have experience with. And you might not even realize it, but you've encountered the same thing that Solomon did, which is, and you'll understand in just a minute why Solomon didn't see it. Are you ready for this? All right. The reason why Solomon didn't know is because, quite practically, this is the very first time the number 666 appears in the Bible. So he has no frame of reference to look back on and think, that's a bad number. He, in fact, he has no idea. And, and if you want to know where that number 666, you know, it's, if you read the book of Revelation, it says it's the mark of the beast. Let's just put that in the category of it's a bad number, right? So it's a bad number. But Revelation's not written yet. So all Solomon has is this thin little section at the beginning that he's supposed to read anyway. But he's never seen that number 666. And my point is this, he didn't know what to look for. And even though the sign was right there in front of his face, he didn't know what to look for. You need to learn how to read the signs. Because when you're traveling in the wrong direction, there's usually a sign that's telling you where you're headed. Something's going to stand out and say, this is the path that you're taking. Do you know how to read the signs? Do you? Do you know how to read the signs? Think about it. The signs aren't always obvious. I mean, there are some very obvious signs. We know some things that we should pay attention to, but the signs, signs aren't always obvious. Let me give you a really good example. Here's Solomon, and at this very point... In the, in the story, Solomon is at the peak, at the pinnacle of his success. You know what all the signs are saying? Keep going, you're doing so good. He's successful in everything that he does. He's an expansionist. I don't even know if that's a word, but it's my sermon, so whatever. <laughs> He's an expansionist. Things are, things are, uh, he's, he's building and he's, he's growing the kingdom. And, and, and you know what? He's accumulating all these horses. He's getting horses, horses from Egypt. He's got 700 wives. He's like accumulating all this wealth, this silver and gold. The three things that he was not supposed to do as a king, but he did. He should have known that those things were things he should stay away from. But he just keeps succeeding. And there's no indication that anything is really going wrong for him. You know, when I was going to name this series, I called it Smarter Than Solomon. But do you know what I was going to call it originally? Sex, money, power. Because these are the things that trip Solomon up. And these are the things that continue to trip people up today. He succeeds 
in every direction. And I'll tell you this right now. You can be on the wrong path and still succeeding. You can do very well at the wrong thing. Craig Groeschel says this. He says, nothing fails like success. When you're doing really well and everything looks rosy and it looks like it's going to continue to be okay, you are less likely at that point to pay attention to the signs of disaster because everything is going really well. And if you think about it, I mean, you ask yourself this question, how is Solomon supposed to know? I already told you the answer to that. It was written in the scriptures. He knew in Deuteronomy chapter 17 that there were three things that he wasn't supposed to do. Don't get horses from Egypt and don't, you know, uh, go back that direction. Don't have lots of wives and don't accumulate silver and gold. He already knew all of that. So why, as he was accumulating his silver and his gold and, and, and his wives... Why, when he went back and read this, and read in Deuteronomy chapter 17, and he read that same verse, because trust me, guys, he would have read it. He would have read it multiple times, and it's, it, it kind of blows me away. How can he see the disconnect between what he's currently doing with his life and the fact that the Bible says it's wrong? Why, when he read it in the scriptures, did he not think to himself, oh, man. I'm doing the wrong thing. I should probably stop this right now. Why didn't he change that? And I'll tell you why he didn't do it. There was no immediate effect or punishment for his wrong decisions. There was no immediate effect. He did the wrong thing. Nothing happened. He took a step over the line. And then he just, you know, you know when you do something that people have told you was wrong? I've never done that, but you people. <laughs> you take a step over the line, and you've always been told, if you do this, I'm telling you bad things are going to happen. And then you just wait for fire and brimstone. It's like, oh, oh, hell's going to rain down on me. And you wait for a while, and you think, Nothing happened. I'm in the clear. You know what that develops? Confidence. Now what am I going to do? I'll just take another step over the line. Let's wait for it. Nothing happened. What does that develop? Confidence. Can you see a problem? Every time I take a step and nothing happens, I get more confident and I keep going deeper down the path. Now, I'm so far down the path, and nothing's happened to me. And I'm thinking to myself, I feel like I'm doing okay. I think I'm going to be all right. And when you start to develop that mentality and that approach to things that you know is wrong, you start to stop reading the signs that say you're going the wrong way. You learn to ignore them because you've developed confidence because you stepped over the line and nothing happened, and you thought, it's cool, I'm getting away with it. I think I'm going to be okay. I'll tell you a story about a friend of mine. He, uh, when we first met, I was so far from God, and he was very close to God, and somewhere along the way, we traded places. Now, he's very far from God, and I'm very close to God. And the way that, I, when I first met him, he said, here's what I'm going to do with my life, and he told me his whole plan. And this guy, he'd, he'd messed up a few times. 
And he said this prayer to God. He said, God, if you will bless me where I am and bless me and give me advancements in my career, then I will dedicate my heart to you. I'll give my life to you. I will serve you. I will worship you. I will be so passionate about church. You know when you try to sell stuff to God? Oh, this is such a good deal for you. (laughs) Sign up now. You know, you're trying to sell this deal to God. He's selling a deal to God. Guess what? Newsflash. God bought it. So God gives him, God gives him what he asks for. He gives him opportunities. And I was in conversations with people that said, I don't understand where this guy, how does he keep getting promoted? He just moves through the ranks so quickly. I knew it was because he asked God to bless him. And so God did bless him. But guess what happened? The further he went into his success, the further he walked away from God. And everything that he promised God, he never did. And I caught up with him one day and I started to ask him some questions. I said, do you remember at the beginning when you said to me that you were really going to dedicate your your heart and your life to God? And he said, yes, I, I remember when you said that. I said, you haven't been doing it. And he starts explaining to me the reasons why he can't do it. And at that very point, I realized that he was so far down that path and so consumed with his own success and he hadn't seen anything bad happen in his life yet that he was willing at that point to comfortably walk walk away from God. He was utterly lost. And my prayer for him is that, because he's still lost today, and he has no idea that he is lost. He's on the wrong path, and he doesn't even know it. I want to communicate a point to you. This is so important that you hear this today. You absolutely need to know this. Sin is a slow burn. Sin is a slow burn. And if you keep walking deeper and deeper down a path and you haven't seen anything go wrong yet, be very careful. You're already lost. You just don't know it yet. And please, please don't take God's apparent lack of response as affirmation for your actions. I think I better say that again because I don't know if you got it and I want you to get this. Out of all the messages that I preached, I think this is one of the most deeply practical messages. I wrote this sermon and I thought to myself, I think this is going to help somebody. I really do. Don't take God's apparent lack of response as affirmation for your actions and behavior. If nothing's gone wrong yet, that's not him saying, keep going. It's going to be okay. That's not what God's saying to you. Do you know what we call that? We call that grace. It's grace. You stepped across the line and nothing happened. Don't get confident now. You're walking in the grace of God. You stepped over another line. Nothing happened. Please don't develop confidence or believe that God's affirming your actions or behavior. Please don't do that. You're crossing the line. It's called grace. That's what you're receiving at that point. And do you know what grace is supposed to do in your life? It's supposed to lead you to repentance. That's the whole point. There is, nothing's happened yet. Okay, fine. But please don't get, start to think, oh, it's going to be okay. Now, I want to tell you something right now. If you know, hands down, just secretly, that you're on the wrong path. i got good news for you, because no matter how far down you are on that path, no matter how far and how deep, 
At any point, should you choose to take God up on his offer of grace, you could turn around. That's called repentance, by the way, is when you turn from the direction that you were going and you pick a new path in the direction of Jesus. And at any point, you can start to make your way all the way back to God. And here's the good news, right? You don't even need to work to do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some actions and some behaviors that you might want to start to get right in your life. But when it comes to the grace of God, it's instant. That's the gospel message. Because the truth is, none of us could find the right path. People tried for thousands of years and they couldn't do it. And the gospel is this message, that Jesus was the only one that walked the right path. And now he invites people to follow him. And if you make a decision to follow him, I promise you, you will be on the right path. See, see, not getting caught and being safe isn't the same thing. Not getting caught and safe is not the same thing. And they look the same on the outside. You know, in church, sometimes people's sins are exposed. And you see it. And be really careful how you judge that. Because for every exposed sin, I reckon there's the ratio would be so heavily stacked in the other direction that everyone else has got their secret sins going on. But when something's exposed, we see it. Please remember this. The measure you use will be measured against you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap. So before we start to get really excited about the exposed sin, maybe sometimes we've got to check ourselves and look into our own lives before we go too harsh in that direction. Maybe our job should be, instead of like judging that, helping people to get back on the path that they're supposed to be on in the first place. Because when somebody sins a secret... They look the same as everybody else. It doesn't look any different. I can tell you I've got a gym membership. And I'm passionate about the gym, passionate about my diet. People can tell. It's obvious. If you're not passionate about the gym, and you're more passionate about hamburgers than you are about diet, right? People are going to know. Why? It's obvious. It shows. We can see it. You can't, you can't beat that. You, you know, even if you try to talk people or talk around it, at the end of the day, people are going to know. There's no such you, You're not going to get away with it. There's no such thing as getting away with sin. In fact, the Bible says your sins will find you out. So you're not really getting away with it. And you're not exactly safe. You're just not caught. And that's not the same thing. So I, Thursday is my day with, that's the day I have off. I don't work on a Thursday. And it's my day with my daughter, Eliana. And so we go out every Thursday morning and have a coffee. She doesn't drink coffee. And uh, she has a baby Chino. And, uh, and so we, after, after we had coffee, we went home. And I was in one room and Eliana was in the kitchen. I came home, I walked into the kitchen and I looked, and over there on the bench is a, a dish full of cupcakes that has the lid taken off it, and I can see a half-eaten cupcake, right? So she comes straight to me, and I, I said to her, I'm looking at these big, beautiful, innocent 
eyes. I said to her, I said, Eliana, I said, sweetheart, did you eat a cupcake? She looks at me, innocent, no. (laughs) Dad, I did not eat a cupcake. I said, all right. Now, what she doesn't know is that she's got chocolate icing all over her face. (laughs) Right? So I already know. I know the answer. So I look at her and I say to her, all right, this is grace. It's designed to lead her to repentance. I said, all right. I said, I'm going to ask you again. Did you eat the cupcake? And she goes, Dad, I did not eat that cupcake. I said, all right, I'm going to give you one more chance. Like, this is the third time. And this is how obvious I was. You have to be obvious with three-year-olds. I said to her, all right, I want you to know something. I already know the answer to this question. I already know that you ate the cupcake, all right? So did you eat the cupcake? Because if you lie to me now, you're in so much trouble. And she says, Dad, I did not eat that cupcake. (laughs) I said, get in your room. Got in her room and she stayed there and I went back to her later and, uh, you know, I give it, here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm giving her grace, I'm giving her an opportunity to choose the right path, aren't I? I'm giving her an opportunity to make the right decision. And when you start crossing the line and you feel comfortable about it and nothing's happening, that's God giving you an opportunity to make the right decision, to choose the right path. Don't get comfortable in your sin and say to yourself, oh, it's okay that I'm over here. God's okay with it. If he was not okay with it, I think I would have known by now because you don't always know you can be succeeding and be on the wrong path. Sometimes we're so oblivious to the obvious. You've got to know what to look for. You've got to know which signs to read. What are the signs that are indicating to you that you're going the wrong direction? Andy Stanley says this, experience doesn't always lead to good judgment, but it is critical to good judgment. So now I'm going to give you four signs to look out for because I want to be deeply practical. Four signs to look out for. This is bound to offend somebody somewhere. So we have locked the doors. <laughs> Don't even try to leave. You want to go to the bathroom? You can hold it. Because you're going to listen to this. All right. Sign number one. You ready for this? Here's a good, here's a good sign that you can pay attention to. Parents. Parents love their kids. Parents. So let me say something. I want to talk specifically to teenagers now. Um, I know that the package of that good advice doesn't always come dressed the way that you want it. I know your dad thinks it's practical to wear socks and thongs. And it's not cool. We know that. We know it's not cool. But when it comes to love, sex, dating, and money, they might know a lot more than you actually think. And just because, this is what people do. They say, well, he doesn't have credibility in the cool department. He doesn't know how to dress. So I'm not going to listen to him. But when it comes to the real, that's not important. When it comes to the real issues of life, your parents know a lot more than you think. 
And even though you may have grown up and all you've seen is them doing okay in life, and by the way, if you feel like you're a parent and you haven't always just win, 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 just succeed all the time, first of all, that's okay. But if you're a person and all you've seen is you've seen your parents just be the model parent and so forth, right? You think they don't know what the real world is like. They were teenagers too. And they know more than you think just because they haven't shared it with you, they're not going to tell you every experience. They're just going to give you the lesson they learned from it, yeah? Because I reckon there's two ways you can learn in life. One, you can make mistakes. Here's a smarter way. Learn from other people's mistakes. And parents are great at teaching you from the mistakes that they made. So teenagers, hey, lock that door. Oh, it's the band. It's cool. So see some people that the whole worship team is leaving right now. Guys, We're going to have to pray for these people. (laughs) Teenagers, listen to your parents. I feel like I've got the parents on board. Yeah? All right, I'm coming for you next, all right? Because here's the next thing that you've got to do. Here's a second sign that you could pay attention to. Pastors. Now, I hope, I really do hope that you are your kid's confidant. And I really hope that your kids listen to you and tell you everything that's happening in their lives right throughout their teenage years. But I've got a feeling, an idea that there comes a point in kids' journeys where they don't listen to their parents as the number one person that gives them advice anymore and they're going to get it from someone else. So you could be smart and you could actually connect them into a youth program with you know, mid-twenty-somethings that are going to give them the same advice that you were going to give. They're just dressed better, so people will listen to them more. They're not always dressed better. That's open to debate, you know. But the point is, you could be smart. Get them connected into a small group. How about this, parents? Come to church consistently and show people that it's very important to do that. Because if you're inconsistent in your walk, do you realize that the the principle that you're teaching your own children? Look, when it comes to authority, are you the kind of parents that go home and say, you don't have to listen to that person and you don't have to listen to that person because you will create a rod for your own back. Let me just skip ahead of the journey and tell you about the path that you're letting your kids walk down. You will eventually become that authoritative person in their life. And if you've taught them to reject authority, reject what the government says don't honor the prime minister don't you know don't speak about the police in the right way every authoritative figure when you become that person they won't listen to you and that's a path that you've led them down when you're a parent you don't just lead yourself down the path you lead your family down the path with you so you should think about the lessons that you're teaching to your kids I hope I haven't offended you. I just think it's a good idea. And I promise you right now, there is, I know I'm a pastor. There is zero self-preservation in this at all. These are the same lessons that I teach to my kids. Because if my kids come to me and they say, oh, Pastor Dave Barnes in the kids' church, he said this. I said, well, you listen to Pastor Dave. Just because I'm the senior pastor, who cares? So you better listen to Pastor Dave. You know why? I trust him. I know he's going to lead my kids in the right direction. I take the side of authority so that my kids learn to respect that because later on in life, I want them to hold people in high regard and honor people in positions of authority. Do you you get that? Are you with me? All right, I'm going to give you the the third one as well. All right, this is the third place where you can get a good sign. Now, I want to do something this morning. You know... 
It doesn't seem to matter how I twist the scriptures. They still say what they say. I can bend this into any shape I want. Come on, say what I want you to say. Be okay with my problems. Be okay with my sin. Tell me I'm okay. I don't want to stop sleeping with my boyfriend. I don't want to stop sleeping with... Find me. I, I, I want to homosexuality to be all right. Come on, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. It's not going to do it. It's not going to go there. In fact, every time I read this, it just says what it means. So I guess... If you want a really good sign in life, I don't care what revelation you got. If I've got to twist that book into every which way and do backflips to see what you saw, you're probably wrong. So pay attention to the scriptures because the whole point of this book is to lead you to the right path. And I'm going to give you the fourth one. Number four. Number four. Don't offend your conscience. Don't offend your conscience. Now, I picked the word conscience because if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I was going to say Holy Spirit. But if you discovered that the Holy Spirit will often speak through your conscience, so every time you shut down that little voice that says, whoa, 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 stop, stop, you're in trouble, you're headed the wrong direction. Every time you shut that voice down, you could be shutting down the voice of God in your life. And I'm just telling you right now, you don't want to shut down the voice of God in your life. He wants to speak to you. In fact, did you know that the Holy Spirit is called a counselor, that he wants to counsel you? If you're, if, if you're new to church and all you've ever thought God is saying to you is, I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed in you. Where you've got problems. You've got sin. I don't want to be anywhere near you. You're not speaking to him. The thing is, God loves you and he sends his Holy Spirit to counsel you. Have you ever heard the voice of God just affirm you in life and say, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what you've done. That decision you make when you decided to not go that way with your friends that night, when you made the right decision to not jump in that car. You know, there is a voice that comes and counsels you. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise guidance, you can wage a war. And in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. You've got to have some people in your life that are going to speak to you. You'll never be wiser than Solomon because the Bible already said that. You'll never be wiser than Solomon, but you can be smarter if you do this one thing. If you learn to read the signs. Learn to read the signs. Learn to read the signs. I came back a couple weeks ago from uh, America and I, I had a printout of my itinerary and it told me that it was 35 hours to travel to Birmingham, Alabama. And I didn't like that. But who cares? It's the truth. And my point is this you don't have to like every sign that you see, but if it's the truth, who cares? Aren't you better off to pay attention to something you don't like and have a better life than go in the wrong direction just because you think that you don't like what it actually says? You should take advice from people. You should, you should take advice you don't like from people you do trust. Take advice from people. Let them speak into your lives. Do you have someone like that? If you're married, you do. You ever notice that your wife or your husband, they're just so willing to tell you how it really is. You thought you knew, you didn't know. Your spouse came and told you how it really is. Because you won't beat the principle of the path. And this is the principle of the path. 
if you keep going the way that you're going and you don't let people bring you onto the right path, you could be walking in the wrong direction. You could be lost right now, but you're succeeding in life. Nothing's bad has happened and you think you're okay, but you're not. What you're experiencing right now is grace. That grace is supposed to lead you to repentance. So you should take advantage of the opportunity in your current season and start to read the signs so that you can start to walk and have a better future. You need to look down the road as far as you can and before you turn off, find a navigator, someone that you trust, someone that's going to give you the right advice. I promise you right now, I know where to go get the wrong advice that's just going to affirm me and what I want to hear. And I know where to go get the right advice. I might not want to hear it, but it's beneficial for me. And the reason you do that is because once you've picked your path, your destination has predetermined your future. You with me? Why don't you stand to your feet? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.